0: This podcast is brought to you by Learn Prime. Hone your development skills at learn.thoughtbot.com. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. My name is Ben Orenstein and I'm here today with Peter Cooper. Hey, Peter. Hello. You were a huge online Ruby presence when I was kind of getting started in the, the world. You were running uh, Ruby Inside, and now it seems like recently you have transitioned over to, like, the, an email weekly sender overlord of some kind. You've got uh, <laughs> like Ruby Weekly and JavaScript Weekly and sending out thousands of these things and uh, is that a fair assessment of the movement of your
0: online persona? Yeah, there's definitely been a, a trajectory to it, Yeah, um, which kind of went from, I, I mean, if I just jump back to sort of how it all began yeah. um, I'm not going to go into how I got into Ruby because it's kind of boring, but uh, got into Ruby and Rails just like many people did. Mm-hmm. And because I was really, like, I was really heavily into blogging, like, quite early on, mm. so I was blogging about my experiments and what I was doing with Ruby and so on, and an editor uh, called, I think it was Keir Whitaker now, he used to work with A-Press, he does some Ubuntu books and stuff now, he got in touch and said, oh, we're looking for someone to write a, a Ruby book for us, and obviously I'd never been approached to write a book or anything like that in my life, so... Kind of one of those uh, bucket list things, I guess. You know, you think, oh, it'd hmm. be cool to write a book. And that
1: was like a direct result of the blogging.
0: Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um. So it followed on from that, and then because I knew that blogs were good to promote stuff, I created the Ruby Inside blog, which actually the name was based on, this is where I'm going to go off onto a tangent, um, was based on something that Jeffrey Grossenbuck said on the then reasonably new Rails podcast, um, where he was talking to people at Intel about using Ruby and Rails. And he says, oh, he says, you know, you could be, like Ruby Inside uh, Intel because the whole Intel Inside oh, thing, right. and so I just stole that as the name. Uh, got blogging to promote the book, but actually turned out that wasn't the main thing I ended up doing. I ended up just writing about Ruby. People followed on, yeah. and it just kind of blew up and become huge. Um, and so that eventually leapfrogged into uh, you know kind of almost like a domino effect into the the email, um, just because I found that email had a really high engagement and. It was getting to a point where I was linking to other people more than perhaps I was producing my own stuff. Mm -hmm. And email's quite a a good fit for that. So, yeah. yeah.
1: That initial thing to me is interesting where this book deal happened out of blogging. And like, mm. there's this phenomenon that I see over and over again, which is people just like writing what they're learning and not like proclaiming, proclaiming themselves an expert, but just saying, here's some stuff I discovered. And then pretty quickly, you establish yourself almost as an expert, and things fall out of that that are kind of awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can see so many people in our community that have done that. So um, one that stands out to me is perhaps uh, Greg Pollock and Jason Cipher. They no longer work together, unfortunately. but. Um, then they both kind of came on the scene with the podcasting they were doing um, with the Ruby Show. Um, i do not even sure if it was called the Ruby Show then, but they were, they were podcasting together. Um, and they also produced those funny videos for RailsConf. Um, I don't know if you've seen them where it's like the Mac versus PC videos, but yeah, for yeah. Rails versus like PHP and Java and stuff like that. And just the fact that they were producing stuff and pushing it out there, it was entertaining kind of put them on the map Mm -hmm. um and i know that greg was able to um build a a whole consultancy off the back of that um which you know i'm pretty sure is quite common to a lot of consultancies um probably thought included to a certain extent where just kind of becoming well known and constantly putting a bit of yourself out into the world all the time things tend to come back to you um one way or another so it seems to work for me and it seems to work for a lot of people it's a good idea
1: yeah absolutely so uh can you talk more about the the newsletters the weekly things you're sending out these days
0: uh, yeah, so, I mean, it all began in the Ruby world, but then I used the kind of, I just stole the uh, Mark Zuckerberg approach of beginning one area, and then once you think there's an overlap with another area, they move into that area. Yeah. So it moved from Ruby to JavaScript, HTML5, um, and now we're doing things like we've got a data, like a general kind of data storage, database one, mm. uh, Postgres, just a whole ton of them. We're now at about 182,000 subscribers across the whole uh, lot. Uh, but the the main ones are still the Ruby, JavaScript, and so on. Mm-hmm. Although the the sad thing is, is that it started with Ruby. Ruby was the biggest for a while. JavaScript, when it came out, very quickly overtook it, and then HTML5 Weekly, very quickly overtook Ruby Weekly, and is now almost double subscribers. So even though they're much younger, so the Ruby one has been growing not the least out of all of them in terms of the big ones. It's yeah more of a plateau than the others, unfortunately. But that's just because of what the industry is going through and. You know, I've seen articles over the last few weeks where someone was saying, "Oh, you know, Ruby's kind of reached this Java esque position in terms of its re- reputation, and well, not not in a bad reputation, but kind of as a you know a tried and tested and mm-hmm. you know we're not seeing hundreds of thousands of people suddenly going, wow, let's suddenly get into Ruby all of a sudden. It's yeah. it's slowed down a bit, uh, but now everyone's like, oh, Node, 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 and Node's going to go out for exactly the same thing um, in a year or two. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah." Hmm. So what are the formats of these of the newsletters you send out? What are they um,
0: like? So basically they do go out in HTML and plain text. So there are some people that you know like to see it very, very plain. And we make sure we have the format for that. Yeah. Um, but then most people read it in HTML format. And that also goes up onto the web. So some people get the email. And I know they just click on the button that says read this on the web. And then they just do it all through their browser instead, huh. um, which works quite well for us because the code is pretty much the same behind the email and the web version. So they don't miss out on anything. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and content wise these are sort of like a, a collection of links of int- to interesting stuff from the week before
0: yeah uh, so we have uh, like a featured section which is the stuff that you know we think we should check out or perhaps events things that are very timely we usually have a sponsor in there as well but then yeah we, we break it down to things that you should read things that you can watch and listen to um which has sometimes included your videos. Thanks. And uh yeah, and then we sort of usually have like either like sometimes we have a sponsor at the end or we have a kind of a last but not least type thing, which is just a kind of a fun or flippant thing we had at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, and obviously we include like libraries, code releases and stuff like that as well mm-hmm. um, in there for each of those topics. So uh, we are experimenting with a more open format for some of the newer ones. Uh so we've got a mobile web weekly which is pretty much what it says. Um is curated by two people, um, one from Adobe, one from Telerik, and the way that works is it's just item following on from item. There's no, they're not broken down into read this, use this as code. It's just like ten items, and you just kind of sift through the headlines. So we try and make sure the headlines are good for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like that format as well, so uh, we're always you know experimenting with what works. Yeah. So you, it sounds like there's more than more people than you working on this. Uh, kind of. I mean, I'm currently the only person that's like fully. 100% full-on with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are other people that help with the business, like my wife, for example, and uh, we had um, editors who sort of sometimes come and go. Um, so we had uh, Dr. Axel Ralshmeyer, he's quite well-known in the JavaScript space. He was the editor of JavaScript Weekly for 18 months but is now started up a trading business, so had to uh, uh, go on unfortunately. But uh, we do have other curators involved. At some paid, some not. Uh, it depends on what it is. And I mean, some of our venues aren't commercialised at all. So we've got uh, Bitcoin Weekly, for example, which you know, there's no advertising or any, anything like that in there. It's just run by a guy who came to us and he said, Yeah, I really want to do this. Let's just do it." Yeah, you know, it's not necessarily as a business or whatever. So it doesn't. It's not completely free to me in terms of the time and the effort, but it's very. It's as close as I can get to it at the moment mm. with the technology. It's not taking me hours every week to just put something out. So gotcha. Yeah, it works w- quite well.
1: What do you use for sending your email?
0: Uh, we use MailChimp mm-hmm. at the moment the funny thing is the guy that actually runs MailChimp is like oh you, know, you should be using Mandrill instead and like kind of homebrew it a bit more mm-hmm. uh, and Mandrill is one of their services um because I'm not actually using a lot of the stuff that MailChimp offers, so I'm pretty much using it just as a list and to do the sending, but I don't use any of the template stuff. I put everything finished up through their API, and it's, I spend like 10 seconds on their site, just like check, click, send. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should probably build our own stuff on top of their more lower level stuff, but uh, yeah, haven't quite got there yet. It's always a, a time angle involved. Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: So is this your primary like income producing endeavor is like Cooper
0: Press? Yes. Okay that became true like a couple of years ago when when it started off there was no advertising in it at all there was no money really from it mm-hmm. um it was all kind of off of the back of ruby inside which you know at that point was uh a bigger deal for me but mm-hmm. um that's kind of almost been abandoned unfortunately um probably in a lot of trouble with some of the ruby community for just kind of leaving it abandoned mm. would like to bring it back at some point but uh yeah, email seems to be where it is for me at the moment.
1: Yeah. i I feel like I've I've heard that from a couple other people that, you know, blogging versus email, like email engagement's really high. Mm. It seems like advertising rates are advertising is probably a little bit better in email, yeah. things like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so if that's where the money and effectiveness is, then that's where you went.
0: Yeah. I mean obviously it wasn't something that was started as a, a money-making endeavor, actually. I only started the newsletters because I sort of saw a lot of stuff that was going on with like Groupon, um, Oh, I'm trying to think of some of the names of the different companies, but there's a lot of like companies that are doing like, lifestyle email newsletters, and it was like Daily Candy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like there was a renaissance of this stuff. And a guy called uh, Jason L. Baptiste, he runs uh, OnSwipe, uh, he was like, you know, if I could run any business right now, it would be a email newsletter business. And he doesn't actually run an email newsletter business, but it was like, if I can't do the thing I'm on now, that's what I'd do. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. he's quite a smart guy, so uh, <laughs> it can't be a bad idea. So I just tried it just so that I could get in before anyone else tried it because obviously if someone else started a Ruby newsletter up at the time I probably would have thought oh it's like I don't want to compete with that Yeah. so I got in quite early with that yep. um, and it's just gone from there so hmm. yeah worked out well yeah.
1: can you give me uh, I don't know if this is if you are willing to talk about this publicly like a sense of like what an ad costs in like JavaScript Weekly for example
0: um, well actually in the footer of some but not all of the newsletters you can actually access our media kit so you can okay. actually see uh, what things cost so you know, take Ruby Weekly, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking several hundred dollars for the primary sponsorship of an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we also run job ads as well, which people can take out. And they're not actually that expensive, but, you know, we have free in each one. So they're about $120 yeah. each. So, that, you know, it all adds up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the next big VC kind of uh, funded business. But in terms of, like, you know, an income for uh, sort of a, a very small group of people, Uh, primarily me it's uh you know it works out okay
1: yep so it it sounds like you can start up if you if you have a topic you want to have a newsletter on and can find the subscribers like you can spin one up and it's maybe a thousand dollars a week or so in terms of income per for a new one It
0: depends i mean well not necessarily a new one because i mean this is the thing we don't tend to have advertising in newsletters that we're currently kind of ramping up right that makes Uh, it just i think it just puts people off and Advertisers, it's just perhaps not the the inventory there for advertisers sure. interested. So, yeah, try and boot them up, yep. and then once they boot booted up, then try and make it more of a thing. And you know, and people do this with events and things like that. You know, you don't just start up your local event and it's just like bam, let's do it really big. Uh, you sort of see if there's interest, and then you can move to the the bigger event center and all that sort of stuff. So, mm. it's it's a little bit like starting an event because you don't know if people are going to come on board with you for what you're doing, right? But at least it is free to subscribe, so we don't have the problem of, you know, you would have to pay to subscribe to it or anything. Right. Um, although that has been suggested many times. But I'd rather run something that makes money from the advertising and hits, like, 10,000 people than perhaps have, like, three or 400 subscribers make the same money. But it's a very, very tiny group. Yeah. I mean, some people would totally disagree with that, but I, I like the the bigger reach. Sure. What kind of a time
1: are you putting into this? Is this like a full-time thing or hours? Yeah. um, I mean, you
0: know, I'm not sort of doing 80-hour weeks or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, this is the full-time thing. Yeah. So
1: when you started Ruby Weekly, uh, you were coming off of doing a bunch of Ruby development. Uh, That was very much in your world. Do you find as you're starting these newsletters that are in different topics, you're not as able to curate them as well or edit them as well? It sounds like you do have outside editors for some of these.
0: Yeah, so like Bitcoin and that, I wouldn't really be very good at doing that. Yeah. Um, that said, I think one of the things I have developed during this is just a very good nose for what is good content in an area, whether I'm actually that experienced with it or not. Mm. And sometimes that fails. Um, so there have been a few experiences with JavaScript where someone's written something that's just like not totally wrong, but isn't perhaps the best practice, and people kind of grill you for it. So. Mm. Nothing like really horrible's made it in, but certain things that perhaps, you know, if I was like a full-time JavaScript developer, I would have kind of thought, well, that smells a bit funny um, sure. and not include it. It's not the best of the best. But there is a certain talent. Obviously, journalists have this. You know, I've worked as a freelance writer sort of many, many, many years ago um, before doing the Ruby stuff. Uh, but kind of journalists have to very quickly look at an area that perhaps they're not super familiar with, work out how to get a story out of it, what smells good, what doesn't. Um so I've kind of had to build up those skills with these things as well. So even though I'm not like a database expert, you know I've kind of done my time on it, but I'm not, you know, a super duper expert. I can still kind of see what's coming up in some of the papers that are coming up and some of the releases, what is the BS and what isn't the BS. Like mm-hmm. it's not too difficult to cut through it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. You have an office space, right? You you don't work at a home for this? No. Um I tried working at home for a while, but it's a complete nightmare with two kids and, you know wife wants to constantly you know drag you into things and this that and the other so uh yes yeah, so know i have a an office for it which um is uh, quite large actually for mostly just me so <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's good because it's kind of almost turned into like a man cave you know like people would have um, at homes um uh, being in england we have an absolutely tiny tiny house um so there just wasn't the space there to do it uh once the kids turned up but it's True. worked out really well actually just other people that I've spoken to in the Ruby space um, who've gone on to get an office so I think uh, Marc-Andre uh, is um, one who's in a very similar situation I've spoken to people and they're just like oh i got an office and just like my productivity is shot through the roof so yeah yeah. it's a bit like when I b- b- bought my first Mac it's like wow I can actually get my work done now you know
1: mm. <laughs> it's interesting how much uh, of a psychological impact having a yeah. separate space would give you yeah. like I'm sure part of it was like the lack of distractions and also part of it of like I go to the office and that's where I do work
0: yeah, I must admit, you know, I, I goof off quite a lot. You know, I'm a massive Reddit fan, massive YouTube fan. Mm. Um, so, you know, I get my time in with that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's really the distraction thing. You know, the whole ramping up and ramping down and getting in the zone and all that type of stuff that programmers talk about all the time. Mm. Um, you know, it still applies even if you're not coding all the time, um, if you're just trying to get your head into anything. So, yeah, I found mm. that definitely works for me. Mm. What are your favorite subreddits? Oh, let's see. Uh, like actually safer work ones. Yeah. <laughs> Because um, obviously, you know, I just love the the things like w t f and a lot of the humor ones and things like cringe pics and stuff that 's just like really tasteless mm. I'm trying to think of any serious ones there is the, the computer science one CompSci, is not too bad um mm. There are a couple that are about like uh, computer science papers which are okay but have really kind of fallen down the list lately mm. but i 've got to admit uh, and the ruby subreddit 's not too bad um which disclosure i 'm a moderator of that. But no, I must admit, most of the ones I look at are just things that are really, absolutely, you know, off the wall crazy. I don't go to Reddit expecting a serious discussion. Sure, you know, I'm on a few of them, like books and stuff like that. But it's it's really about the craziness mm-hmm. for me with Reddit. Gotcha. So, what's next for you? We've
1: talked a lot about the past and the current. Do you have any idea of what the next, uh, the future looks like?
0: Well, that's actually one of the reasons why I'm here in Boston. Um, I'm not allowed to discuss it, but you know, I am talking to people about. The various different ways that this can go, mm-hmm. but kind of independent of that, I think some of the ways it will go is more into like actual content development. So rather than just linking to stuff that you know we think is good, is actually you know producing our own stuff again, which mm. is what I already did with Ruby Inside, but now I also have the place to promote said content. So there is you know some opportunities there, mm-hmm. um, but really at the moment it's kind of more of the same at the moment just one of the things I guess I've learned is that just constantly diversifying by subject isn't always the best approach because it does take time to ramp them up and get them up to speed. They don't always work out. Mm -hmm. Um, So one that kind of is a failure for us was uh, Dart Weekly, for example. Mm. Uh, Dart being the not sure how to put this, but kind of Google's competition for JavaScript in in some sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just didn't work out, you know, and it's one that we Weren't just, enough subscribers? Is that what... The, well, we got to like a couple of thousand subscribers, but then there just wasn't any growth. And we didn't find any kind of organic growth. People weren't talking about it in the same way that we do with the others. Yeah. Um, and I must admit, just looking at the Dart space directly, I'm not seeing that big growth like you're seeing with perhaps something like a Go or a Node or mm-hmm. anything like that. So, you know, we have failures. And I think what I've learned from that is not to just keep saying, right well, I can do a newsletter about bananas and apples and this, that, and the other. It's not just to do that. It's sometimes you do need to focus on how can I make the ones I've got and the audience that I've got, how can I do more for them and make that better than hmm. just constantly trying to get, I want to get a million subscribers. Yeah. So it's funny how your goals change. It's not always about that core metric. You sometimes have to you know, double down on what you've got. Yeah. Do you do... a uh
1: experiments or work trying to optimize things like open rate and click rates and things like that
0: yeah I used to do a ton of it on the sign up pages um, and kind of reached a, a happy point with that if you go to like javascriptweekly.com and things like that now the way it's laid out and the way it works is pretty much what were the winners of that um, of those experiments but again it's just all about having time and you know to do those sort of things but I often try different content experiments uh, so we've got a, a twitter account javascript daily which now has like 65,000 followers, totally organic, never really super pushed it, Mm -hmm. um, but it's just gone really, really well. Um, And so this is just an experiment off the back of what we already do. JavaScript daily. So that tweets daily links to JavaScript? Pretty much. I mean, it's like five or six links a day, um, sort of. And they come through the same system as the newsletter items. So we can put more stuff out onto that that doesn't get into the newsletter as well. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah, it's just worked really well. Mm. But sometimes experiments work, sometimes they don't. Sure. Have you experimented with the length of the newsletter? This was something that JavaScript Weekly's editor, Dr. Axel Rauschman, was really keen on. Like, sometimes things would go right really long, and we'd see what the open rate was. And sometimes things would be really short, we'd see what it was. It doesn't vary a great deal. Mm. I think we found if you have a newsletter and it's focused on being short, then it's important to keep with that. Hmm. If it's not one that's focused on it, people don't seem to care Hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, yes and no, I guess is the answer to that. It's important sometimes, but not always. Okay, I've
1: seen you tweet sometimes about like, oh, like open rate tanked this week for some reason in Gmail or something like that. That's usually
0: content. Like if, if we mention a word, like if there's like someone says buy now or... We won't mention the word even less like the word tax or something. Uh, that can set Google off. like They are so contextual nowadays. It's not just all about you mentioned Viagra. Like If you ran a Viagra newsletter, they'd be fine using the word Viagra. Mm-hmm. If I mention Viagra, it's going to tank. Right. Um, and likewise, if the Vi- Viagra newsletter mentioned... I don't know. JavaScript. Yeah, Yeah, JavaScript. (laughs) Or like you know mesophilioma or like something like that. They're going to have the same problem. So Google's become very, very clever now. Mm. It's not just the SEO and the search rankings they're focusing on. It's stuff like email as well.
1: Hmm. So what do you do when that happens?
0: Work out what it is. Yeah, Um, figure out what the the words are. Yeah, sometimes do a resend. But it depends how much a hit is. It's usually a very small hit. Uh, But if it's a big hit, work out what it is, fix, resend. And because MailChimp gives us the stuff to say, right, so-and-so didn't open this, it's easy. We just say, resend it to everyone who didn't open it. Oh, sure. Uh, or everyone who's on Gmail who didn't open it, if it's them that got the big hit. Right. Um, and so then people aren't annoyed by receiving a ton of email. Yeah. So that tends to work quite well. Hmm. That's cool. Uh, what are you excited
1: about these days?
0: Ooh, that's a tricky question. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff going on with Node and that. And I must know, I've actually been a little bit bearish on Node, even though I have a Node Weekly and done a lot of stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been very interesting, though, to see the development of Go. I'm really quite interested in that. Kind of, It brings so many things together, and I've seen so many developers I respect getting excited about Go that I wish I'd kind of got in on the ground floor with a newsletter there, but there's already a couple, I think, in that space, so it's not worth fighting over at the moment. Huh. But very excited about that. And I'm, I'm more into like, the back end, the more of the, the kind of server-side things. Um, even though I do the JavaScript weekly stuff, it's still the back end it's the server stuff it's you know the databases that's what i'm interested in mm-hmm. but whether i say it's anything super excites me right now not particularly i guess just the ongoing development of the web platform from a just from a kind of a almost an emotional point of view it's really nice to see so many developers from different areas coming together getting stuff running within a browser Mm. Um, like we have seen with Script and You know, you can now have like a you know just a C plus plus developer who's working with SDL and or OpenGL or whatever. They can compile their stuff and bring it onto the web. Um, mm-hmm. We're seeing that with um, Unity's coming on, uh, all the experience that Firefox and the Unreal guys have been doing. I think that is very exciting, and that kind of ties into my role as a chair of the O'Reilly Fluent Conference, which oh, yeah. is a web platform conference. So, I guess that interests me. I haven't done a huge amount of work on it myself, but I find that very interesting. I think it's only going to continue. Um and possibly even with the Ruby world as well, with the uh M thing that um Matt and I know a few others have been working on. Uh, you know, it's very easy to turn that now, put that onto the web within the script and what is m Ruby? M Ruby, I can't remember what it stands for now, but it's kinda of like a, a miniature version oh, of yeah. uh, Ruby that uh, Matt kind of put his focus on that's um, right about a year ago or so. Yeah. And I think they released one point like within the last couple of months.
1: For like low powered kind of devices? Like lower uh, processing. Yeah, power it's,
0: or yeah, it doesn't have like everything that, you know, full fat Ruby has. Yeah. And I've seen people can you know compile this down for the web with Inscription, um, which I find very interesting. You know, actually could make it very easily possible to do like your front end scripting in Ruby, which perhaps you shouldn't be doing that, but it, it could become an option. Mm. Um because you know JavaScript now is so ridiculously fast. If you can get a virtual machine down to a certain size, what's the big deal with that as opposed to running, say, Flash or something? Mm. So, yeah, mm. front-end scripting in Ruby? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, the the browser is so much like the universal runtime. Exactly, yeah. And like, JavaScript is just kind of going to be, to me, exactly. is, is like the future compilation target. Yeah. Like it'll happen to be what runs in the browser, but maybe no one will even use it. Exactly. Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, so all very good stuff. Yeah. How do you like uh, organizing FluentCont? It's an interesting it. experience yeah. yeah i'm I'm not an event person I don't go to many events i just it's just because of who I am it's not because I necessarily hate events. it's just they don't tend to mesh with me very well in the mm. way I work uh but working on it with O'Reilly has been yeah very interesting and I've had a very easy time compared to a lot of people who do events because O'Reilly puts on so many events they have a full time team you know this isn't like a small thing, it's not a thing where someone's putting in like ten thousand dollars and is scared they're gonna you know, not be able to make payroll next week. Yeah. You know, they have people like, you know, sort of about thirty people that are full time employed just to do conferences. Wow. So there's people to help with the speakers, there's people doing, you know, sponsorships, there's people just everything is there. And the A V teams and things like that, which they don't employ, they contract those in, but they are always top notch as well. So my job and that of my fellow chair Simon St Laurent, who's sort of a well known name in O'Reilly circles, you know, we, we share the work But we don't have to get involved with a lot of the logistics. Mm. So you're doing talk selection, talk selection, kind of just shaping the conference. It's very, it's much like doing a newsletter. It's curating what's interesting out there, Mm -hmm. who should we bring in, uh, and just email, just tons and tons of emails. So I guess that kind of always circles back to yeah, where where we began with the email newsletters is just my whole life is just endless email. So
1: yeah, (laughs) I remember being real psyched when you responded to an email like five years ago that I sent you because you were the Ruby inside guy and like. (laughs) Still responsive and friendly and helpful and all that.
0: Yeah, no, I tried and do that still now, but uh, you may be waiting a few days. It's, uh, yeah, unfortunately. Sure. But I, I've, I've learned so much stuff now about what is it about an email that sort of gets you more likely to get you a reply yeah and it's kind of like focus on one thing make sure the request is really simple if it's a question just keep it to one question really simple and mm-hmm. those things get replies like really quickly but right. when someone's like oh well i've been thinking about doing this and what do you think about that and oh you know can we do this and oh can i meet you here and when it's that in one email it's like right that's weeks time i'm going to be replying to that so. <laughs>
1: yep and so that goes in like i'll respond to this later which turns into maybe exactly. never and yeah so yeah.
0: there's a, a life pro tip for you which actually is another subreddit i should recommend life pro tips i think it's called or something mm. uh, always lots of really cool tips of uh, how to get on in life so
1: i, I think it's uh, i mean only maybe only a little bit appropriate that you're getting a bunch of email now given how much you're sending so yeah exactly you have to be on the receiving end sometimes too. oh i tell
0: you i get more i'm on vacation email than anyone you know oh yeah i'm sure i actually use legitimate reply to addresses for the newsletters so when JavaScript weekly goes out and it's just like before independence day or something like that it's like
1: yeah let's get like five thousand. out it's good of fun. it's really places.
0: really fun yeah
1: does that That doesn't go to your personal
0: you It know, does Really yeah. I monitor everything that comes back Oh my goodness um, It's not too difficult Yeah I just sit there with my phone While it's doing it And just go Yeah Archive, archive <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you don't have a filter for that Yeah Well Why You know like I, I like to see If anyone sends something back You want it's it it's important to have that engagement mm-hmm. um, Partly because that means You don't get in the spam filter anymore If someone replies to you right. It makes you important So Yeah I like to make sure to Pick up on anyone that replies Yeah Cool
1: uh, I want to wrap up because I know you have to get to a, a thing. Is there anything else that you want to cover, or like a question I should ask you that I haven't touched on?
0: I don't think so. Actually, no, I think it'll be quite boring and <laughs> sort of say that uh, it was pretty good. I mean, obviously, you know, just for anyone who's listening, you know, I came into this without any prep whatsoever. It's like I'm in town, and they're like, "Quick, come uh, in!" Don't it's apologize. Like, yeah, <laughs> quick, come in. So. uh yeah so. i mean i didn't
1: have pre- neither of us had prep we just kind well of sat no exactly down and started yeah. chatting exactly but so. i'm glad we could make it work it was nice that we could snag you while you were in boston we could put you in the studio with nice quality and it's good for me to actually meet you in person because we've been talking online occasionally for probably more than half a decade now
0: yeah i guess so yeah it's yeah. funny just how how long the whole ruby rails well the rails thing has been around what's it 10, 10 years this year so yeah
1: so I, I remember publishing a screencast for, uh, Vim for Rails Developers uh, uh, probably yeah, like yeah. five or six years ago and you like did a review for that. Yeah. That was huge for me at the time because you had a ton of readers and I got a bunch of sales from that and it was like you were you were in the good guy category. Yeah, for me it was for, before football, I think. Yeah, was it was. Or, yeah. yeah, well before that. So yeah. uh, thanks for that back in the day. Awesome. And uh, thanks for coming in. It was great to talk to you. Definitely. Thanks. Cool. If people want to get in touch
0: with you, what's a good way to do that? Uh, probably the best way is actually to tweet me because I actually do reply to all of those really mm-hmm. quickly. So at um, p 2 C um, and if it's like these go to email then, yeah, take it from there.
1: cool, and if you want any of those uh weekly newsletters, they're all pretty easy to find, yeah, You can just google
0: for it, yeah, or you can go to cooperpress dot com where we list most of them, not all of them, um but yeah, they're easy to find. Cool. Awesome.
1: If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to thoughtbot.com slash giant robots slash 102. Also, we've just released a new workshop called Getting Started with iOS Development. If you want to check that out, you can go to learn.thoughtbot.com slash getting started with iOS. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening.